At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Bontobel. Welcome back to the segment of the Football Betting Guide presented by Zim Nicotine Pouch is the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zim Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zim understands there's one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little bit different, so whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zim's going to be there for you. If you're thinking about making a change want to learn more today, Check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at Zen.com. That's EYN.com. Morning product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical, as is betting on the National Football League. So let's talk a little bit about that. Tank Williams is nice enough to give us some time today. NFL sports betting and fantasy analyst over at Yahoo Sports. It's good to talk to you, man. Uh, so let's talk. I wanted to open up with the Tennessee Titans, a team that interests me and I think a lot of people. Because if you go back to last year, and I always – you hate to do it and phrase it like this – but it's a team that won a lot of games that when you look back, you were like, wow, they really won that game, huh? There was a lot of things that really worked <laughs> for them. Uh, and so they're a really good candidate to kind of regress and bounce back. If you look at it from any standpoint, a lot of statistics will point to that. How do you look at a team like Tennessee? Because, well, I think there's some room for regression. They're also in a division that's just a bunch of teams that are really similar to one another, and they could still find their way as an AFC South champ and win that division. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I mean, obviously, people are picking the Colts to win the FC South this year. And, I mean, they look pretty good. They have one of the better running games in the league with Jonathan Taylor. And they have Matt Ryan coming there to be able to stabilize that offense and you don't have to deal with the turnovers and recklessness of Carson Wentz. So that's something that the Titans have to deal with. But um, I feel like the Titans could make a run, but they're missing some key pieces. I mean, we all know that A.J. Brown is in Philadelphia right now, and even though the Titans didn't want to pay him, they want to replace him with a young rookie who can make, you know, the minimum in Traylon Burks. But I don't think he's there yet. Uh, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, he's coming off a knee injury and just joined the team uh, from the Los Angeles Rams. So I really don't look at the Titans as having like this number one threat that scares people on the outside. So what does that mean? The opposing defenses could focus on trying to take away Derrick Henry. And if they don't have anyone that can step up on the outside, make plays and take the extra man out of the box. The Titans' run game is going to be in trouble. Therefore, the Titans' offense is going to be in trouble. Therefore, the Titans are in trouble. Yeah. So what do you make of Tannehill then? Because like that's the other big part of this, right? Tannehill's been great since he's gotten there. But statistically, each year he's gotten a little bit worse. And now this is arguably the worst receiving core he's had to work with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have A.J. Brown, and I don't know why the Titans wanted to get rid of him. Maybe they didn't want to pay that money that the Philadelphia Eagles paid him. But you can see... All the money that these teams in the NFL are playing now for their elite wide receivers who can go out there and make a difference outside. And so, 
I mean, I really like Robert Woods as a player, but is he a number one? Like, is he that guy? Especially if he doesn't have anyone that's going to step up and compliment him on the other side. It takes rookie wide receivers usually some time to get adjusted to the game. I mean, we don't always see a guy that can step up like that dude did in Cincinnati last year and ball out and help them get to a Super Bowl. So, therefore, if there's not anyone that can step up on the other side and Robert Woods can't handle that load as being the true number one, Tannehill's probably going to struggle because I think he needs a complement of weapons that helps him kind of raise the boat. Like, he's not going to be the guy that puts the team on his shoulders and then say, come on, let's ride. He needs Derrick Henry. He needs a guy like A.J. Brown. When they got some production out of the tight end, when they had John Lou Smith there when he was healthy, having people that can compliment him on all phases of that offense, that's when he plays at his best. And if he has to put more on his shoulders, I really don't think he's up for that challenge. So you mentioned the Colts, uh, odds on favor to win the division. We see Matt Ryan and the Colts for the first time a little bit yesterday. Uh, by the way, tooth and nail with a lot of backups for the Buffalo Bills. You don't really like to see that for the defense, at least. Uh, Ryan, 6 of 10 on 11 dropbacks, 58 yards, nothing really special, but it's also preseason. So are you buying what the market's selling here? Colts are the best team in this division. They're the odds on favor to do so, and they're going to be AFC South champs? I mean, if the Colts' offensive line can stay healthy, then they're going to have one of the better running games in the league. And even if you don't have that like super explosive wide receiver on the outside, I think Michael Pittman can get it done. He showed that he can get it done last year when he had an injured T.Y. Hilton for the most part. And so, I, I mean, I really like what the Colts have put together. I think Michael Pittman can be formidable on the outside. I think if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, gives them some explosiveness on the opposite side of them. And then that young rookie that they drafted has been making plays in training camp. And so I think that he can maybe step up and, you know, add some plays for him. But the key to that offense is going to be through Jonathan Taylor. But another sneaky option you need to look out for on the coast is Mo Alley Cox yep. playing that tight end. I mean, he showed up. He made some really good plays for them last season. He's going to be the guy this year now. And so I think that he can make plays. And everything I say flows to that running game. If they establish the running game, set up the play action, then they'll take shots down the field like we've seen in the preseason and their practices and things like that. I think the post offense could be explosive. So it's interesting because while these two teams are at the top of the division, they mirror each other somewhat because they have two, they have two elite running backs. And what I thought was really fascinating is if you looked at it from the betting standpoint, right, Jonathan Taylor, the favorite to lead the league in rushing this year, he was getting smoked by Derrick Henry last year before Derrick Henry got hurt in terms right. of rushing yards. So what do you think of Henry coming back here and this dynamic between these two as the two favorites, well, Jonathan Taylor is the favorite, to lead the league in rushing? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm hardcore Titans. Like, I, I try to support my guys whenever I can. And I would say the past couple of fancy drafts, I've always taken Derrick Henry probably before most of the other running backs, even in PPR, just because I felt like the amount of touches he was going to get, especially in the red zone, was just going to far outweigh anything that most of the other guys could do. But without having that threat on the outside with teams being able to focus on just trying to take him away, I mean, hey, you have to look at what Vegas is telling you. Like, Jonathan Taylor is the eyes on favorite at 375, plus 375. At one point, when you're looking at who's going to be the guy to have the most rush yards in the league, both of these guys were, guys were tied at plus 600. Then it moved to plus 500. Now you have Derrick Henry that's at plus 600 now, and Jonathan Taylor taking that lead at plus 375. I'm following Vegas on this one. I think Jonathan Taylor is the eyes on favorite to lead the league in rushing. And I think that's going to benefit Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, and the rest of that close offense in the pass game. All right, so I was perusing through your social media, and um, you're George Pickens guy, huh? Man, like, <laughs> like everybody's been talking about this dude, and it's only preseason. Like, we just finally saw him in the game, and it was a preseason game. So most of the hype was generated through practice. And I understand that you have to practice well in order to get on the field and play well. But I was like, come on, man. Like, let's just chill with this. 
And then dude did what he did in the game, just a toe tap in the back of the end zone, and then just punking DBs in the preseason game, like just snatching souls. I'm like, yo, if this dude is coming out like this right now and playing with that dog, like I got to go ahead and hop on the hype train. But that being said, like if I'm really looking at a rookie wide receiver, like I'm going to go ahead and hype George Pickens because he deserves it. But Romeo Dobbs, like they were, they were hyping him up a little bit too. He made some plays in the preseason. But I like the quarterback that he's going to have. He's playing with Aaron Rodgers. And we already have, like, an established wide receiver on the other side and Alan Lazard that a lot of people are looking over. I think he's going to have a solid season. But you get to play opposite of Alan Lazard, have one of the better quarterbacks to ever play the game, throwing the ball to you. Even though I like George Pickens and what he's put on tape and practice in the preseason game, if I'm picking a rookie wide receiver right now, it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. So along that line of thought, so for me, I bet Sky Moore to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And it was, it was like the same thought process, right? It's the Chiefs need a little bit more in terms of wide receivers, specifically depth. They got some questions because they're trying to rebuild that position a little bit. And Sky Moore kind of fits that. He's even like similarly physically. I think he's like 5'10", a buck 85, 10 pounds lighter than Tyree Kill. Like Sky Moore is, I think, one of those guys, too, that can make a lot of noise because he's in a really good system to do so. Absolutely. He's in a really good situation. And the only reason I kind of lean more towards Romeo Dobbs than Sky Moore it's because of the anticipated volume that I think Romeo may get over Sky Moore. Because when you look at that Chiefs yeah. offense, off top is going to be Travis Kelsey that's going to get the lion's share of the targets. But now we have Juju in the mix. We have Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. We have my man Miko Hartman. And so there's so many miles to feed on top of Sky Moore where I feel like he's an excellent player. He fits in that system well. But how much of the lion's share is he going to get? I don't know. But when you look at that Green Bay offense, we know that it's predicated on running the ball. So we know it's going to be A.J. Dillon. We know it's going to be Aaron Jones running the rock and also involved in the pass game. But besides Alan Lazard, I feel like he can eat up a lot of those targets. Now, obviously, we have the tight end, Tunyon, coming back if he can stay healthy. But that being said, on the outside, I feel like Dobbs has a good chance of getting, you know, a decent amount of targets. And in that offense with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I like the prospect there. So last 90 seconds, let's use that to talk about Kansas City really quickly. Buffalo was obviously the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City, though, very respected, highest win total in that really stacked division. We saw last year teams change, though. They weren't blitzing Patrick Mahomes. They were dropping back. They're playing too high safeties. Turnovers go up. Are, are we sure this is all fixed? Like Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to kind of figure this out that, all right, we got to be a little bit more patient here because it's pretty alarming at times how bad the turnovers got for them last year. Yeah, I mean, we only had like a small sample size in the preseason game. But what did you see he did against the yep. Chicago Bears in his one drive? He spread around to a lot of cats, whether it's MVS, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hartman. I mean, all those guys touched the ball, and that's what he's going to have to do. And that's what – it's not a benefit to have Tyreek Hill out of office because any offense wants to have an explosive guy like that that can blow up the top, open up the running game, and the underneath passes. But at the same time, when you have to focus on feeding that guy all the time – it allows everyone in the offense to have equal weight. And when you do that, you don't press to force the ball in, which I think will allow him to make better decisions. And the offense may actually function slightly better, even though I know he would benefit from having Tyreek, and he'll take Tyreek in that offense any day of the week. Tank Williams, again, football sports betting analyst, Yahoo Sports, former Titan as well. Tank, it was good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You got it. Man, can't wait to see. This is the cool part about what this year is and what the NFL is becoming. All these young receivers that we're talking about, they have they come into the league and they're ready to go like immediately. And a lot of these guys are going to make a lot of noise. It makes offensive rookie of the year a really fascinating race once we get into the regular season. All right, we'll take our break. On the other side, Ben Brown, betting and data analyst from Pro Football Folk, is going to be with us. Let's build a little bit more on that Trey Lance conversation we were having in the first hour.
is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome back to the segment of the Football Betting Guide presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zen understands there's one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little bit different, so whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first... At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Step toward change. Zen's going to be there for you. If you're thinking about making a change, want to learn more today, check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Morning product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical, as is betting on the National Football League. So let's talk a little bit about that. Tank Williams is nice enough to give us some time today. NFL sports betting and fantasy analyst over at Yahoo Sports. It's good to talk to you, man. Uh, so let's talk. I wanted to open up with the Tennessee Titans, a team that interests me and I think a lot of people. Because if you go back to last year, and I always, you hate to do it and phrase it like this, but it's a team that won a lot of games that when you look back, you were like, wow, they really won that game, huh? There was a lot of things that really worked <laughs> for them. Uh, and so they're a really good candidate to kind of regress and bounce back. If you look at it from any standpoint, a lot of statistics will point to that. How do you look at a team like Tennessee? Because, well, I think there's some room for regression. They're also in a division that's just a bunch of teams that are really similar to one another, and they could still find their way as an AFC South champ and win that division. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I mean, obviously, people are picking the Colts to win the AFC South this year. And, I mean, they look pretty good. They have one of the better running games in the league with Jonathan Taylor, and they have Matt Ryan coming out to be able to stabilize that offense and you don't have to deal with the turnovers and recklessness of Carson Wentz. So that's something that the Titans have to deal with. But um, I feel like the Titans could make a run, but they're missing some key pieces. I mean, we all know that A.J. Brown is in Philadelphia right now, and even though the Titans didn't want to pay him, they want to replace him with a young rookie who can make you know the minimum in Traylon Burks, but I don't think he's there yet. Uh, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, he's coming off a knee injury and just – joined the team uh, from the Los Angeles Rams. So I really don't look at the Titans as having like this number one threat that scares people on the outside. So what does that mean? The opposing defenses could focus on trying to take away Derrick Henry. And if they don't have anyone that can step up on the outside, make plays and take the extra man out of the box, the Titans run game is going to be in trouble. Therefore, the Titans offense is going to be in trouble. Therefore, the Titans are in trouble. Yeah. So what do you make of Tannehill then? Because like that's the other big part of this, right? Tannehill's been great since he's gotten there. But statistically, each year he's gotten a little bit worse, and now this is arguably the worst receiving core he's had to work with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have A.J. Brown, and I don't know why the Titans wanted to get rid of him. Maybe they didn't want to pay that money that the Philadelphia Eagles paid him, but you can see 
all the money that these teams in the NFL are playing now for the elite wide receivers who can go out there and make a difference outside. And so, I mean, I really like Robert Woods as a player, but is he a number one? Like, is he that guy? Especially if he doesn't have anyone that's going to step up and compliment him on the other side. It takes rookie wide receivers usually some time to get adjusted to the game. I mean, we don't always see a guy that can step up like that dude did in Cincinnati last year and ball out and help them get to a Super Bowl. So, Therefore, if there's not anyone that can step up on the other side and if Robert Woods can't handle that load as being the true number one, Tannehill's probably going to struggle because I think he needs a complement of weapons that helps him kind of raise the boat. Like, he's not going to be the guy that puts the team on his shoulders and then say, come on, let's ride. He needs Derrick Henry. He needs a guy like A.J. Brown. When they got some production out of the tight end, when they had John o. Smith there when he was healthy, having people that can complement him on all phases of that offense that's when he plays at his best. And if he has to put more on his shoulders, I really don't think he's up for that challenge. So you mentioned the Colts, uh, odds on favor to win the division. We see Matt Ryan and the Colts for the first time a little bit yesterday. Uh, by the way, tooth and nail with a lot of backups for the Buffalo Bills. You don't really like to see that for the defense, at least. Uh, Ryan, 6-10 on 11 dropbacks, 58 yards, nothing really special, but it's also preseason. So are you buying what the market's selling here? Colts are the best team in this division. They're the odds on favor to do so, and they're going to be AFC South champs? I mean, if the Colts' offensive line can stay healthy, then they're going to have one of the better running games in the league. And even if you don't have that, like, super explosive wide receiver on the outside, I think Michael Pittman can get it done. He showed that he can get it done last year when he had an injured T.Y. Hilton for the most part. And so, I mean, I really like what the Colts have put together. I think Michael Pittman can be formidable on the outside. I think if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, gives them some explosiveness on the opposite side of them. And then that young rookie that they drafted has been making plays in training camp. And so I think that he can maybe step up and, you know, add some plays for him. But the key to that offense is going to be through Jonathan Taylor. But another sneaky option you need to look out for on the coast is Mo Cox yep. playing that tight end. I mean, he showed up. He made some really good plays for them last season. He's going to be the guy this year now. And so I think that he can make plays. And everything I say flows to that running game. If they establish the running game, set up the play action, and they'll take shots down the field like we've seen in the preseason and their practices and things like that. I think the post offense could be explosive. So it's interesting because while these two teams are at the top of the division, they mirror each other somewhat because they have two, they have two elite running backs. And what I thought was really fascinating is if you looked at it from the betting standpoint, right, Jonathan Taylor, the favorite to lead the league in rushing this year, he was getting smoked by Derrick Henry last year before Derrick Henry got hurt in terms right. of rushing yards. So what, what do you think of Henry coming back here and this dynamic between these two as the two favorites, well, Jonathan Taylor is the favorite, to lead the league in rushing? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm hardcore Titans. Like, I, I try to support my guys whenever I can, and I would say the past couple of fancy drafts, I've always taken Derrick Henry probably before most of the other running backs, even in PPR, just because I felt like the amount of touches he was going to get especially in the red zone, which is going to far outweigh anything that most of the other guys could do. But without having that threat on the outside with teams being able to focus on just trying to take him away, I mean, hey, you have to look at what Vegas is telling you. Like, Jonathan Taylor is the eyes on favor at 375, plus 375. At one point, when you're looking at who's going to be the guy to have the most rush yards in the league, both of these guards were, guys were tied at plus 600. Then it moved to plus 500. Now you have Derrick Henry that's at plus 600 now, and Jonathan Taylor taking that lead at plus 375. I'm following Vegas on this one. I think Jonathan Taylor is the eyes on favorite to lead the league in rushing. And I think that's going to benefit Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, and the rest of that post offense in the past game. All right, so I was perusing through your social media, and um, you're George Pickens guy, huh? Man, like, <laughs> like everybody's been talking about this dude, and it's only preseason. Like, we just finally saw him in a game, and it was a preseason game. So most of the hype 
was generated through practice. And I understand that you have to practice well in order to get on the field and play well. But I was like, come on, man. Like, let's just chill with this. And then dude did what he did in the game, just a toe tap in the back of the end zone. And then just punking DBs in the preseason game, like just snatching souls. I'm like, yo, if this dude is coming out like this right now and playing with that dog, like I got to go ahead and hop on the hype train. But that being said, like if I'm really looking at a rookie wide receiver, like I'm going to go ahead and hype George Pickens because he deserves it. But Romeo Dobbs, like they were they were hyping him up a little bit too. He made some plays in the preseason, but I like the quarterback that he's going to have. He's playing with Aaron Rodgers, and we already have like an established wide receiver on the other side and Alan Lazard that a lot of people are looking over. I think he's going to have a solid season. But you get to play opposite of Alan Lazard, have one of the better quarterbacks to ever play the game, throwing the ball to you. Even though I like George Pickens and what he's put on tape in practice in the preseason game, if I'm picking a rookie wide receiver right now, it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. So along that line of thought, so for me, I bet Sky Moore to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And mm. it was it was like the same thought process, right? It's the Chiefs need a little bit more in terms of wide receivers, specifically depth. They got some questions because they're trying to rebuild that position a little bit. And Sky Moore kind of fits that. He's even like similarly physically. I think he's like 5'10", a buck 85, 10 pounds lighter yeah. than Tyreek Hill. Like Sky Moore is, I think, one of those guys too that can make a lot of noise because he's in a really good system to do so. Absolutely. He's in a really good situation. And the only reason I kind of lean more towards Romeo Dobbs than Sky Moore is because of the anticipated volume that I think Romeo may get over Sky Moore. Because when you look at that Chiefs yeah. offense, off top is going to be Travis Kelsey that's going to get the lion's share of the targets. But now we have Juju in the mix. We have Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. We have my man Miko Hartman. And so there's so many miles to feed on top of Sky Moore where I feel like he's an excellent player. He fits in that system well. But how much of the line share is going to get, I don't know. But when you look at that Green Bay offense, we know that it's predicated on running the ball. So we know it's going to be A.J. Dillon. We know it's going to be Aaron Jones running the rock and also involved in the pass game. But besides Alan Lazard, I feel like he can eat up a lot of those targets. Now, obviously, we have the tight end, Tunyon, coming back if he can stay healthy. But that being said, on the outside, I feel like Dobbs has a good chance of getting you know a decent amount of targets. And in that offense with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I like the prospect there. So last 90 seconds, let's use that to talk about Kansas City really quickly. Buffalo was obviously the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City, though, very respected, highest win total in that really stacked division. We saw last year teams change, though. They weren't blitzing Patrick Mahomes. They were dropping back. They're playing too high safeties. Turnovers go up. Are, are we sure this is all fixed? Like Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to kind of figure this out that, all right, we got to be a little bit more patient here because it's pretty alarming at times how bad the turnovers got for them last year. Yeah, I mean, we only – had like a small sample size in the preseason game. But what did you see he did against the yep. Chicago Bears in his one drive? He spread around to a lot of cats, whether it's MVS, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hartman. I mean, all those guys touched the ball, and that's what he's going to have to do. And that's what – it's not a benefit to have Tyreek Hill out of office because any offense wants to have an explosive guy like that that can blow up the top, open up the running game, and the underneath passes. But at the same time, we have to focus on feeding that guy all the time it allows everyone in the offense to have equal weight. And when you do that, you don't press to force the ball in, which I think will allow him to make better decisions. And the offense may actually function slightly better, even though I know he would benefit from having Tyreek, and he'll take Tyreek in that offense any day of the week. Tank Williams, again, football sports betting analyst, Yahoo Sports, former Titan as well. Tank, it was good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You got it. Man, can't wait to see. This is the cool part about what this year is and what the NFL is becoming. 
all these young receivers that we're talking about, they have they come into the league and they're ready to go like immediately. And a lot of these guys are going to make a lot of noise. It makes offensive rookie of the year a really fascinating race once we get into the regular season. All right, we'll take our break. On the other side, Ben Brown, betting and data analyst from Pro Football Focus, is going to be with us. Let's build a little bit more on that Trey Lance conversation we were having in the first hour. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Bontobel. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way VEASAN's here to make you smarter, better year-round. Check them out today. Every game, VEASAN.com. All right, last 30 minutes of the program here. Let's talk a little bit more to the National Football League, a little preseason. Ben Brown, betting and data analyst over at Pro Football Focus. Nice enough to give us some time today. Uh, we have to start with, Ben, what has been actually a pretty entertaining preseason up to this point. We are getting points, and we are getting a lot of them. 17 games now in the preseason, one Hall of Fame game, 16 in the week one, uh, which is over now, and 14 have gone over the total. And this is after last year, week one and Hall of Fame game, 13 of those games went under the total. So I'm going to assume small data, noise, sample size, whatever it is, but are you actually seeing something here that would make you think maybe this is something that continues, not at this rate, but just higher scoring preseason games? Um, I definitely think that it could be a trend where we are moving in that direction. I do think there's probably a few reasons for that. We are seeing, you know, head coaches not necessarily completely go, you know, the John Harbaugh route, but they are uh, taking these games really seriously. I do think with, you know, spring football kind of mixed in, this is an opportunity for players to kind of showcase uh, their ability at the back end of the roster. And that's been something that we've kind of seen, but I think we're seeing more and more uh, players and coaches try and take advantage of that. And I do think, you know, the offense is clearly uh, ahead of the defense uh, early on in the season. And it has kind of been this uh, interesting, like macro shift this year, especially. And I do think we're going to see uh, a pretty drastic adjustment to the totals as we head into week two of the preseason for sure. So as we kind of move forward too, because it was 2021 in which we saw the shift right to three uh, preseason games. Does this, do you think the smaller preseason like schedule actually helps out with scoring? Cause I mean, as much as coaches say they don't care, kind of your point, it's also fewer games to evaluate the depth of your roster. Right. And you probably want to see a little bit more. Exactly. And I know, I, and I think people thought, you know, like, you know, the combined practices uh, with other teams would maybe kind of alleviate some of that. But uh, there's nothing like live game reps with refs mixed in. So I do think we are seeing them take advantage of that, press a little bit harder uh, and try and get in, you know, more guys that are probably going to make that 53 man roster. Uh, they are going to get a lot more reps here at the latter half of the game. I do think that you would see, you know, reps spread out a lot more. You'd even have guys that really had no chance at making the roster get in. We're not really seeing that as much. So I do think the quality, especially in the second half of some of these games uh, has been a lot better than what we've previously seen in the preseason. Yeah. All right. So we move on from there. Let's talk a little bit more. And I, I wanted to go down the path uh, of San Francisco. We got to see them play and we saw the first uh, snaps of the Trey Lance era for the 49ers. Nothing crazy right home about, but we saw the arm strength. We saw uh, how great he can potentially be, but I think it was on total like six pass attempts somewhere in that range. What did you see from Trey Lance? And I wanted to follow that up with, we were talking about this in the first hour, Trey Lance, the athlete. How much do we think we see of like designed runs? Because I brought up your colleagues over there, Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson. They brought up a great point in their podcast, which is he's a really good athlete. And in a scheme like this where Shanahan's so freaking good, we could see him a lot as a runner this year. And that could be a really good weapon for him. 
Yeah, definitely. And I do think that's kind of why they went in the Trey Lance direction. Obviously, the best you know, rushing ability from a quarterback in that 2021 draft class. And I do think that Shanahan envisions it opening up a lot of opportunities for both him as a rusher and the running backs, right? Because we've seen it with Lamar Jackson. We've seen it with Kyler Murray. There is this impact on a team's rushing ability when you actually have that quarterback that is pretty dynamic in the rushing game as well. And I do think Trey Lance definitely fits that mold. So, you know, Kyle Shanahan has been the guy who has been, you know, the run game schemer, the guy who can get the high yards per carry uh, as often as he wants. And I think that's only going to increase with Trey Lance at quarterback. And then, like you said, if he can make some of those downfield throws, we saw it on the touchdown pass. Uh, if he can make some of those throws that Jimmy Garoppolo basically wasn't really t- willing to make or throw last year, uh, that offers a pretty unique upside to this offense that I don't think too many other teams actually have at that point in time. So, you know, there was, you know, he obviously had a good throw. I do think that third and nine throw yep. uh, on the first drive, a little bit late on that out route. So uh, maybe there's a little bit of timing issue as well. But outside of that, I thought he looked really good. And I uh, I regret being a little bit lower on the San Francisco 49ers after one week of the preseason. As much as you can adjust, uh, you know, the preseason to the preseason based on where you were at before that. Uh, I definitely think that, you know, the 49ers seem to be contenders in the NFC from my perspective. Yeah, we're on the same, we're kind of on the same wavelength. I'm sitting on under 10 for San Francisco. And I get it, you don't want to take too much out of it. Uh, but, you know, actually seeing Trey Lance again in action and in a comfortable setting, right? Like Shanahan clearly right. put some stuff out there to make him feel pretty comfortable. I kind of stretched the collar out a little bit. I was like, all right, I'm really going to have to sweat right. this out all year long, you know? <laughs> that is exactly how I felt. I, I was. And I'm not saying it was a better option or not. I more so played it from like an Arizona Cardinals to win the NFC West perspective than I was uh, trying to actively really fade the San Francisco 49ers. But uh, even that, you know, you you don't feel great whatsoever. So there were definitely a few, you know, futures positions that uh, are definitely, I feel a little bit more uneasy with heading into the week two of the preseason. That's for sure. So a general question for you then would be, again, like you balance everything you see in the preseason, right? But there is some stuff to take away from what you watch in the preseason. For example, you know we were talking about this off the air. I, I watch Indianapolis, and I watch Matt Ryan in 11 dropbacks with an average depth of target of four yards and average 5.8 yards per attempt. And I'm like, man, I get it's the preseason, but that's that's that was ugly, kind of watching what right. that offense was doing. Yeah, definitely. And I do, I do think they need, you know, the third, the, the secondary wide receiver option outside of Michael yep. Pittman. I do think that Alec Pierce at some point is going to get there. Uh, but right now they have just, they, they don't have anybody that's, you know, field stretching type capabilities. And because of that, a lot of running backs, a lot of tight end targets. And I don't really think that caters to Matt Ryan's skill set or strength or where he was kind of at where, when he was with Atlanta. So I think that's an adjustment for him as well. I think he's probably going to get there with that Frank Reich scheme, but uh, it's definitely going to take some time. And I, and to go back to maybe like your first point a little bit, I do think that when you're trying to evaluate, you know, the, the preseason and how that's going to actually impact your view of these teams, I do think leaning more towards like the negative side, uh, I do think is probably the correct approach as opposed to trying to get hyped up uh, over one or two good plays. I do think that, you know, the negative aspect and downside is probably more readily apparent and and available and also probably more predictive going forward than anything that you probably see to the positive side, I would say. And a good example of that, right, is you, so I, last time I talked to you, we talked about te- potential teams that, to have the worst record in the NFL. We both looked at Chicago, and yeah. I watched that offensive line play in front of Justin Fields, and I saw a line that wasn't getting much push and run blocking. I saw two guys get beat individually in pass rush pre- or pass pro situations, and I saw a team that looks eerily similar to the one from last year, right? 
Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think Justin Fields basically had like one nice throw to Darnell Mooney outside yep. of that. Uh, you know, the, the sack on third and six, obviously the lineman got beat with a bull rush type play, but he still stepped right into that sack, right? And I think there was maybe some ideas of, you know, pocket presence and those sorts of things that Justin Fields was going to be able to escape some of those plays and actually help a little bit his offensive line. And we definitely didn't see that. And I do think that they, you know, very much look like a contender for the worst record still. So that's one of that's one of the bets I actually still feel pretty good about, although I'm not trying to get too high on any uh, any of my uh, you know future positions right now, I would say. Okay, I like it. All right, Ben Brown with us. So as we look at the preseason two, and we don't have numbers up for next week, the other thing that I like to use the preseason for is evaluation of individual players when it comes to some of the awards markets, right? Like the wide receivers have always been a big deal this, this offseason in terms of the rookie wide receivers. Uh, we were just talking yeah. with Tank Williams, uh, Sky Moore, Romeo Dobbs, all of these guys who were kind of expecting something out of. Have you seen anything, not even just from the wide receivers, but anything individually from some of the rookies offensively that stuck out to you so far in week one? Yeah, it is interesting. I don't know if this is exactly what you're looking for, but I did. I was, you know, obviously Sky Moore is getting a ton of hype, right? And I do yep. think him, you know, not really running whatsoever with the first team offense maybe speaks to me wanting to or trying to get more bullish on some of those other pieces in the Chiefs offense. Yeah. And I think, you know, specifically Juju Smith-Schuster, He's going to be the primary target in that particular passing offense. If you do think that the Chiefs offense uh, is going to be, you know, a top three, top five EPA per pass attempt type type offense. If Juju Smith-Schuster, who has, you know, kind of been really productive underneath uh, and Marcus Valdez gaining, it's going to be the guy over the top. And I do think, you know, Travis Kelsey maybe taking a step back was, you know, playing sporadically here in this first preseason game. But I think his usage was maybe uh, I, I would say almost concerning in some ways. All that takeaway, I do think that, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster to, like, lead the league in receiving or receptions. His reception number, I think, is, like, plus 2,500 on DraftKings right now. I think that makes a lot of sense. But but if the receptions are there, uh, I think the receiving yards are going to come as well. So, at, like, a plus 5,000 price, him being the number one option, I would say, in what I consider the best passing option in the NFL, uh, I think that's a spot that you can definitely be uh, uh, actively buying into, I would say, right now, based on some of that preseason usage, I would say. All right, we'll get you out of here on this just over a minute uh the pff grades came out today short sample size only eight dropbacks but it's baker mayfield's job right and he's going to maximize what this team could potentially be yeah definitely he he looked good i think the throw to robbie anderson obviously wasn't completed but uh big time throw from our perspective he is definitely going to push the ball downfield in a way that sam darnell cannot so i would be absolutely shocked if they go with anybody else at quarterback in carolina ben it is always good to talk to man you are the man and uh, we'll catch up again soon <laughs> thanks jvt have a great show you got it man thank you very much Hopefully, hopefully it's a good show. We only got like 10 minutes left. So if it goes off the rails in the next 10 minutes, man, something crazy had to have happened. Yeah, Mayfield, 4-7 on eight dropbacks in that game, only 45 yards. Again, you don't want to take too much out of it. Uh, but when you're looking at it overall, average depth of target of 11 yards downfield, looked pretty comfortable. And the last note on that is we're going to kind of spin this forward and talk about some preseason stuff uh, on the other side. Um, snuck in a note there that I very much did notice, and that was that Sky Moore, uh, one of the bets that I have to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, 14-1, to um, was... There was like a hard line. He was running with the twos, and I don't know how good that is for Sky Moore's chances uh, to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. So we'll talk about that much more, some preseason reactions on the other side. Free today. This is the Football Betting Guy. Jonathan Von Tobel.
College football betting guides out now, folks. NFL guides coming in just a couple of weeks. This bad boy, of course, has plenty of value for you still. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every team that include teams' trends, power ratings, over-under recommendations, plus in the NFL guide, best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I've got another offensive rookie of the year candidate in there for you. I mean, when he gets printed. He plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's all I'll give you. It's pretty easy to figure out who that is. Remember, the only way to get VEASAN's all-access subscription is to sign up. $175. bucks. you are going to get the college and pro football betting guides along with the full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl. That includes the NBA guide, which I have confirmed is coming, and I may or may not have started working on already. Sign up now, 175 or join us for 40 bucks a month to see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the sports betting network. How crazy is that? Think about that. I got this the other day. We're like 10 weeks away from the NBA. See, everything is just time just melts together. It's a flat circle. It's all just coming and coming. It's ridiculous. All right, so preseason, week one in the books. Uh, final today, the Las Vegas Raiders get it done. Final score out here at the Owl, the Roomba, the Death Star, 26-20. Raiders get the win. They end up covering as five-point favorites. Some spots close five and a half, so right on the number there, uh, but end up getting the money on the side. From total's perspective, this game goes over yet again. So to build on that really quickly, for those who are just joining us or don't know the number, we've had 17 preseason games up to this point. 14 have now gone over the totals. So we're 14-3 to the over for the first 17 games of the preseason. That is following last year's preseason in which 13 of the first 17 games went over the total, or 13 of the first 16, excuse me. So it's an overtrend. The two things to take away from this, and what I think is going to be pretty fascinating as we kind of move forward, is going to be, first off, um, what the market reaction is going to be for these totals as we head into next week. Uh, how high could these potential totals get? I mean, think about for today, for example, the Raiders, that game closed at 39 in some spots. So there was market reaction today, and it still wasn't high enough, and that game went over the total. And from a bigger picture standpoint, as we were talking with Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus, Remember, this is only our second year into this whole three-game preseason. Uh, I guess I'll call it an experiment. It's here to stay uh, for the NFL. And what that means, I, I think, is really fascinating because you could look at it from the standpoint of teams don't care about the preseason, thus these games are going to get worse, and they're just going to want to get in and get out. But as we talked about with Ben Brown just a couple of minutes ago, I tend to kind of think that, you know, you got one fewer game to evaluate the back end of your roster Maybe you're going to try a little bit harder as a staff and as a front office, whatever it is, in terms of game planning a little bit more, trying to set these guys up for success because you want to see what you have with some of these games. 
So I'm going to be, it's going to be really fascinating to see if this trend continues in terms of higher scoring games, what these average totals look like as we move forward through the preseason, and just what the reaction is. Because at the end of the day, it could just be a really small 17-game sample size. That means absolutely nothing. It was just a hot week for points. And next week, we'll get an average of 19 points per game, and everything will be fine. But I do think what the three-game schedule does for some of these teams, I, I do think there's maybe a little bit more of an impact there than we're giving it credit for, uh, just to throw that out there. So with that, we're going to get back to preseason observations really quickly just to update. So as we've kind of talked around uh, these last couple of weeks, which, by the way, a short time remaining here on the football betting guide in terms of the, the shelf life of the show. We'll talk about that future maybe a little bit later. Uh, but let's, because we're getting closer to the football season, folks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the futures that I've put up. I want to make sure that we update because I think I've updated this every week here on the show. So a couple of win totals, some futures in terms of division and Super Bowl as well. Uh, and some of these were made a while ago, as you know, if you've been watching the show. And uh, I do have to say, <laughs> as much as you can, uh, confidence is beginning to leak on a couple of these, including it took 11 Matt Ryan dropbacks for me to kind of scratch the back of my neck and go, man, this is, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, but anyway, to the totals. Uh, so and Patri Patriots under 8.5 at even money. I feel relatively solid about this. What, what's going to happen here with the Patriots is pretty fascinating. But I, I think a lot of people get wrapped up in what this offense is going to be. Again, to really harp on this and to give you something to watch in the preseason – I don't love what they have at corner. And for a team that really loves to run those man schemes, that is going to be really something to watch and track for the Patriots, who really built a lot of what they did last year, especially those high-scoring games, on their defense. Under 8.5 at even money. Giants over 7 at minus 105. Offensive line did not look great early on for Danny Dimes, so we'll see if that's going to continue its way here. Dable clearly wants to try to win in the preseason. What that means, whatever. Uh, but over seven for New York, all of those strengths are still there. The offensive line still has the potential to be pretty good. The defensive line still has the potential to be a strength. And as we discussed, in terms of win totals, uh, the easiest schedule in the National Football League, the New York Giants. 49ers under 10, shaded to the under at minus 120. Yep, I'm in. And again, maybe a little less confident after watching Trey Lance on those six or seven dropbacks, uh, but do believe there still will be that growth and growing pains and in a very tough schedule and a, a schedule that is littered with coin flip spots for a developing quarterback. Bears under six. It's one of those where I feel a lot better after watching preseason games. Vikings to win the NFC North at plus 250, and the Colts to win the Super Bowl at 30-1. to But I wanted to expand on that Bears game for a second because I do think when you talk about taking meaningful observations from the NFL preseason, that is going to be one that I think I take away uh, from the Bears' loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Fields, again, like I can't say this enough, I think is being hung out to dry by this organization. That offensive line is terrible. You got two individual offensive linemen who were beat on speed rushes or bull rushes that led to a sack. Justin Fields has been noted, uh, stepped in, didn't really have great pocket presence, stepped into a sack as well. But this looks like it is going to be yet again. I mean, I don't know what the worst step is than pulling teeth, but it's going to be pretty bad for this offense as you move into the regular season. That offensive line was not addressed in any meaningful way. Justin Fields... They lack skill position players for Justin Fields, and I think that's going to be a problem for him as we move into this year. And if you look at it from the standpoint of what you saw from Fields, like in terms of pressure and in terms of what he had to face, I mean, if you look at for Fields, for example, I'm going to pull this up so I can get the exact numbers for you. Uh, under pressure on, yeah, 50%. He had five dropbacks. He was pressured on three of them. And while he handled it somewhat well, he completed two passes, that's a really small sample size. And it's a good front seven for Kansas City but that is going to be a consistent problem for Chicago in the regular season and even in the preseason. Yes, they went on to win the game, uh, but I think that's like when you talk about meaningful observations that you can take from preseason, things like that you can take away from it. We talked about Matt Ryan 
and the average depth of target being around four yards for the Indianapolis Colts in that game against the Buffalo Bills. I think that's something that you kind of take a little bit. Is Matt Ryan's average depth of target in the regular season going to be four yards downfield? No. But are the Colts a team that came into this year with questions about what the what the wide receiver position was going to be, where the explosiveness in this offense outside of Jonathan Taylor, where that was going to be? Yes. And so when Matt Ryan comes back, drops back 11 times, and averages just four yards in terms of his average depth of target and five and a half yards per pass attempt, that's not really good for the Indianapolis Colts. You're kind of looking at those questions really being magnified that you had about the Indianapolis Colts going into the regular season. So I think that's something as you kind of move forward. Now, a positive that I think you spin forward but not necessarily take too much of is Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. I've always been kind of amazed that there was this rush to punt on Baker Mayfield, the player, after what was, yeah, an off year by Baker Mayfield, also haggard by injuries. Mayfield had a grade well over 80 in those eight dropbacks that he had for the Carolina Panthers. It's a PFF grade, by the way. Looked really, really solid for Carolina. The offensive line has been improved in the offseason in terms of the bodies that they added. But I think if you're looking at Carolina as a full team and you're looking at Baker Mayfield with the ability to maximize that roster, and if he's going to be a guy that's kind of near the level of 2020 Baker Mayfield as opposed to 2021, well, Carolina all of a sudden becomes more viable as a team. Not so much as a contender. You don't want to overreact there. But as a team that could push to go near their win total of 6.5, could be a relatively decent ATS team if Baker Mayfield is going to be fully healthy and be able to perform. And he's got a lot of weapons at those skill positions. And if a guy like Christian McCaffrey is going to be really healthy, then all of a sudden you look at Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers, and I think you realize that maybe on a week-to-week basis in the right matchups that they're going to be a little bit more viable than maybe the market's giving them credit for. I think Carolina... When you stack up some of the teams that have some real intrigue and teams that are going to be, like on a week-to-week basis, kind of a pain in the ass, Carolina, I think, is on the, for, is on the list for me. The Houston Texans are on the list for me. Again, we're talking about these teams being competitive and undervalued and teams you maybe want to take a position on early as the year gets started. And I think if Baker Mayfield, if you're going to get good Baker Mayfield, then I think Carolina is definitely one of those teams to circle to watch as we potentially move into the regular season. And then last but not least, um, the end of the Sean McVay trend. That's what I'm really fascinated by as we head into the second week of the preseason because the Rams won a preseason game, shockingly enough, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Market really came in hard on the uh, Los Angeles Chargers in this game, but Bryce Perkins leads the Los Angeles Rams to victory. And as we know, one of the more popular trends outside of John Harbaugh winning every single preseason game imaginable was the market coming in really strong and fading Sean McVay, who has not really cared about the preseason, but Perkins made it so that the Rams at least one time during the preseason, uh, won a game. And they closed about three and a half, four-point underdogs, depending on where you shop for that number. But the Rams with a 29-22 win, it'd be pretty interesting to see if the Sean McVay trend ends here and that this is a successful preseason for the Los Angeles Rams on the back of Bryce Perkins and whoever else are going to throw a quarterback because you know you're not going to see Stafford and the rest of the actual um, skill position players that matter for the Los Angeles Rams. With that, we are all done. Uh, cannot stress enough. College Football Betting Guide is out. Make sure you check that out at vcin.com slash subscribe if you're not a subscriber. The NFL Guide will be coming out soon. Our deadline, like the writers, it's on Thursday. And I know that every single writer will turn in their information on time. So this guide's coming out soon. Make sure you check that out. Until then, I'm all done. Anything you missed out, vcin.com. See you. At 
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.